Chief Constable Gary Roberts has been in post for over a decade but will be stepping back from the role at the end of the year. On Agenda tonight, he talks about the changing nature of policing in the Isle of Man and the vast range of issues covered from petty crime to international money laundering. Financial pressures restrict how effective policing can be and relatively low starting salaries mean that recruitment of new officers is becoming increasingly difficult. The statistics certainly suggest the Isle of Man is one of the safest places to live in these islands, but you know what they say about lies, damned lies and statistics. The Chief Constable's report has just been issued. It's going to be debated in Tinwald in October. Much change there? Not a great deal. It, um, well, take the longer view, it's pretty much the same as 2019. The pandemic year 2020-2021 was different and, and the further away we get from it, the more different it appears and, and you can see real spikes in that year in, in all manner of crimes, uh, particularly violent crime and particularly things involving young people. But this last year has been much more like the year before and the year before that. So uh, that, in some ways, that's a bit of a relief, I think. And one of the things that uh, quite alarmed me, and maybe it's uh, I'm leading a sheltered life, I don't know, but um, the, um, the youth offending is, is, is one of the, the, the big concerns that you have. And uh, violence against the police from youth offenders, uh, youths kicking, punching, spitting and uh, headbutting police officers, this... I mean, it's quite quite um, unbelievable to, to read things like that. It, context is really important, and some of it is unbelievable in a way. But we have to remember that when we got to the year 2000, we had 6,000-odd crimes in the island. So this year, just gone, we've had 2,700. So there's a significant difference, but the nature of the crime has, has changed. So when I joined the police in 1984, it was really unusual for an officer to be assaulted. Now it's more common but more than half of the assaults are committed by young people. So why is that? Is it just uh, attitudes to authority have changed? Is it that young people themselves are more violent? Well, all the scientific research in the world says that the, the, we're in the, living in the safest era in, in, in our history, but something's happened with young people for many of them to see that kicking and spitting and punching and headbutting is a thing to do. And it's not just police officers, it's, they, they do it with each other as well, which is the sad part. And, and how, do, how do you overcome things like that? Because I mean, we will get into to the report to a, a greater extent, but I imagine you'll, you'll tell me that um, a, a, one of the most important parts of policing is prevention. So, so how, do, how do we change society to, to uh, discourage this sort of behaviour? I think society has to change itself so that the police... Have a, have a role, an important role, but a small role, I think, compared to the community as a whole. So whether that's in education, whether it's in health, but it's also in families, and families are the key part. And if you look at the, there's like a there's a group of about 15 or 16 young people who commit a lot of offences. They they commit getting on for 10% of all the offences on the island. Each one of them has really difficult needs. So some of them have very, most of them have poor mental health. Most of them have come from um, a family dynamic where there might only be one parent or there might be a series of men who go through the family, um, but mum has brought the kids up on her own. They also use drugs and they also use uh, abuse drink. And so those are complex things. So, so, so to change how those young people are and then to change the broader community requires the community itself to want to change, I think. And, and one of the things that you touch on in the report is... Um the the need 
for more collaborative working across the various agencies of government. Uh, so um, social services, presumably health services, working with the uh, police, education, uh, uh, etc. Is part of the problem that we just don't have enough funding to, to deliver the public services to the level that we, we, we would really like? Um, I'm not completely unfettered from, from my role yet. I'm 19 weeks away from the end of it. But I think if we want high quality public services, it's very difficult to achieve that with a low taxation regime. It, you know, the, the, the two things don't add up. So sometimes the ambition of the services can't quite be delivered, and that's the case in my service, I think. The will to work with partners is there, and I think our, our senior-level relationships are really good at the minute, but we need a little bit more. Um, and so, for example, the youth justice team broke down to a considerable degree because the funding was taken away. We'll move to get it back, but there has to be an investment in things like that if, we, if we're to make a real difference. But... There's a bit in the government plan that people probably haven't seen, which is the commitment to set up a community safety partnership, and that's really significant because the architecture for safety here is poor. There are too many groups and committees. The work isn't all coordinated, and then some things, we start things and we don't finish them. By having a community safety partnership, there'll be one, there'll be one place where all these initiatives to make the place safer are overseen and driven, and people like me are held to account better. One of the things the Chief Minister has been quite uh, keen to to talk about is, is what, uh, what he described as the lazy systems of government, um, effectively that we, we've got too much uh, administrative process uh, and not enough uh, focus on, on the actual delivery. Is, is that the case? I mean, it's often been a, a charge thrown at uh, the police force that... Uh, there's far too much bureaucracy. But I imagine if you don't uh, fill the forms in properly uh, when it comes to taking a prosecution, you then end up uh, losing the, the case. Yeah, so it's, so I think the court system remains quite complex and, and we're moving towards digital courts where we take the paper out of them. We're not a million miles off that now, so that will save a lot of time and effort. But in terms of bureaucracy around decision-making, the constabulary is different than other parts of the public service because we're, we're, we're not... We're not um, we're politically accountable, but not politically driven, and we can do things quicker than other parts of the public service. So I do see partners who are sometimes tied up in knots because of the complexities of, of the, that political interface. But the constabulary can move quickly if we need to. That's the difference we've got. But you're right, there is an awful lot of paper, paperwork involved in being a young police officer and, and, and working on the streets, and not as much money either. Um, it, it, again joining the police uh, service was always seen as uh, a, a reasonably well-paid uh, uh, way to, to, to make a living. Uh, that, that's no longer the case. It's um, it's the case when you're a, a constable at the top of the uh, salary scale, you, you'll be above the, the average earnings for the island, but that takes you seven years in the period up to then pay is low and, and un, until until uh, next month pay for a starting constable will be 24000 Now, it should be 21, but there's a provision in the regulations that allows me to extend that, so I extended it to 24, but that's still less than people get for some some jobs. You know, I, I'm told, I don't know why this is right, that you can earn more flipping beef burgers than you can being a brand new constable, and that's not right. Having said that, that's not that's not an issue for the Isle of Man government. Police pay has been tied to England and Wales since the thing called the Oxy Review in 1948, and so over the last decade, the government in the UK has, has chosen at times to freeze police pay and the, and the consequences that there's been an 18% real term reduction but of course 
the the times we're now living in, uh, everything seems to be a crisis at the moment, doesn't it? But trying to make ends meet, if if you are uh, a young uh, person and thinking about joining the police service, uh, can you afford the seven years it'll take you to get to the stage where you you'll get a, a reasonable income? Uh, and and is is that a challenge uh, in terms of recruitment? It is that that and that's a that's a increasingly a challenge. So you, I wouldn't want to be thirty years old and living with my parents' spare bedroom because I couldn't get on the housing ladder. And this is this is in a way less about pay and as much about housing. I think, uh, and the ability of young constables to 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 find their way in the world and get onto the housing ladder. That's the really tricky thing for them. But um, police pay is important, and, and police recruitment and retention is important because. We need high-quality police officers, and we need enough of them. And if we can't recruit, that becomes a problem. If we can't recruit the right people, that's an issue as well. Over the last couple of years, we've recruited some really good people, and we've not been losing them. But our summer recruitment exercise this year failed. We were looking for 10 constables to start in September. We've got two candidates through, only two, and one of those two has now said, having reflected and looked at the pay, I can't afford it. Um, and so if we want people with life experience, uh, we want people to have had a career, maybe join the police when their kids have grown up, they're not going to join for 24,000 or as it will be in a, in a few weeks' time, 26,000. It's, it's, it's too big a risk. So if we don't recruit, the consequences are significant, I think. And in terms of uh, recruitment, I mean, the, clearly there was a, a, a major uh, financial issue that government had to had to tackle in in 2008 which resulted in significant cuts across large swathes of, of government uh, you, you mentioned in the report that uh, you've just about managed to catch up uh, now um, are, are there still a few areas that you'd like to see more resource um, if you in the ideal world every chief constable will always say they want more money we're in the course of getting more funding to deal with international financial crime. I'll come back to that in a second. But um, the issue of those reductions that started in, in 2008 and gathered pace, and in, and in 2012 we lost um, getting on for 20% of the budget. So we, because we're nearly 90% salary costs, the only way you can you can meet the targets that you set is to get uh, is to have fewer people. And I made it really clear behind the scenes but then also publicly a couple of times that there'd be consequences to that and the consequences of reducing police numbers were, would be seen in the small towns and villages of the island they'd be seen in Peel and Ramsey and Port Aaron and places like that because there would be fewer police officers and one of the consequences I predicted was an increase in offending by young people and it's almost a case of I told you so and thankfully the last administration saw that that was right and they gave us the funding but we effectively lost four or five years of community policing because of that and that that mustn't happen again you know I'll, I'll be gone bef before long but future governments need to need to I think be more discriminate better when they're making reductions and, and not just top slice because a top slice for, for a little budget like mine is actually more significant than that top slice in, in some other places and um, so yes we are seeking extra funding and we've been given two years of funding through a thing called the seized asset fund which is, is which is largely uh, criminal money that we've we've taken which will fund a small dedicated team that will focus only on international money laundering cases so those are cases where someone might live in in germany and launder money through the isle of man into the united states they might never have even been here but the offending has happened here and we have to investigate that and bring them back into the Isle of Man through extradition and prosecute them. So that's really specialist work and it does require extra funding and the Treasury's just uh, given us some extra money for that. And actually in, in, in that answer, you've, you've gone from 
effectively uh, giving, uh, well, you're not allowed to give uh, youth offenders a clip around the ear, but the, a verbal clip around the ear uh, right the way through to probably one of the most complicated areas of uh, of, of crime, um, you know, financial crime, uh, probably combined with uh, cyber crime, um, one of the most complicated areas to police. It is quite a, a, a vast remit that you, you you've got really isn't it i think if you're an outsider looking in and you didn't know the island you'd say well that's it's pretty easy isn't it but actually that sums up the complexity of it and you know um people who, who've been uh, chasing my job from the uk every one of them who's been to the island to look at it has said oh my word i didn't realize that you you go from that really low level stuff so um if someone has their milk stolen in port erin that is really important and the police should do whatever they can about that but actually, dealing with international money laundering, dealing with the financing of terrorism, stuff like that, is big and complex. And if we get that bit wrong, um, the whole economic success and health of the island will be will suffer. So, so I'm always mindful of that you know, in many ways, that's the first first among equals. But for me, protecting our quality of life is critical. So, we still need to do the milk thefts. We still need to do everything we can to stop criminals in Liverpool sending drugs to the island and, and corrupting young people here so everything is important it, it's, uh, it's it's a challenge and that's what makes it that's what makes policing such a such a different and enjoyable thing I think your minister has sort of answered this question but is our drugs problem um, that we can't police the the, the, the the drugs situation as well as we ought or is it attitudes to to, to drugs? have changed and we you know legislation hasn't changed with that um i think at the heart of a lot of it well the drug drugs thing is 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 a business it's an illegal business but it's a business so it thrives on on supply and demand and people make profits so and some of the people who are involved in it have got a real entrepreneurial ability and skill and were they to work in the legal world they'd make an awful lot of money there as well but the paradox in all of it is this People will want to use drugs and it's in the interests of the drug suppliers to, to get more and more people to use them. The paradox is this though, the better the police get at enforcement, the better the criminals have to become to deal the drugs. So we get better, we seize more drugs, we take the drugs out of the market, we create debt in the market, the drug dealers then have to become more ruthless and they have to become more, more creative and the creativity comes in finding different ways to get it here and different ways of exploiting people to get them to look after them and to deal them and to and to manage it. And so, it, however you look at it, it's a wicked problem. You're listening to Chief Constable Gary Roberts. Are you able to to tell us some of the creative ways in which uh, drugs dealers have, have have managed to get drugs into the island, or is that uh, giving too much away? No, no, I, I can tell you. So, um, we've seized a number of, of cars over the last couple of years. Usually they've been Mercedes and, and that type of vehicle where they've had within constructed within them um, hides, so com- hidden compartments within the vehicles where the drugs are hidden and those compartments have been linked um, electronically to people in the UK so that if there's a disruption and somehow we enter that compartment, people will know that we've done it. So we've we've learned how these compartments are constructed uh, we're working with our colleagues in the UK about where they're constructed, and then we've learned how to get into them without triggering the alarms. And so that's really sophisticated. And and that's so so. And ostensibly, a vehicle will come off off the boat and it will look normal, but the person driving it will have been 
coerced or paid money to do that. They may or may may not know what's in the vehicle. They probably do. And that's really sophisticated. And so that's a, that's at one extreme. Other extremes, we, we, we've had um, stuff imported into the island, hidden in white goods, for example, through 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 carrier companies. It's it's a very sophisticated thing. We've 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 um, done work looking at fishing boats, for example, in the past. So, however we look at it, the people who do it are sophisticated, but they have to be because actually we're we're pretty good at, at, at catching people. And and in terms of the drug situation on the island, um, d- does it does it fuel crime? Uh, you know, the people who become dependent, needing to to get money and therefore uh, causing crime that way, or, or is that not so big a problem on the island? It's it's a, that's a really interesting question because we don't have the acquisitive crime that they have in England, so we don't get people getting robbed at the service till we don't get people's homes broken into at, at night. That's really unusual, but there is a lot of crime that's associated with drugs, but it's crime that doesn't affect most people on the island, so they won't know about it. So when when my reports over recent years say there's this increase in violence, a lot of that increase in violence is linked linked to drugs. So um, there's a couple of ongoing cases I can't really talk about, but. But um, a couple of serious assaults that are going through the, 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 the court processes at the minute, they're linked to the drug trade, they're linked to the enforcement of debt around around drug te- the drug trade. And so we do have that. So the crime isn't the type that you'd expect where people are stealing to feed a habit, but it's around um, establishing your network as a dealer, making sure that's secure, keeping other people out. And then when people owe you money, enforcing the, the, the debt through through violence, and that's that's what we see. And so there was certainly last year, uh, 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 the twenty twenty one year, uh, a spike in in violent crime, and in half the cases people didn't cooperate, and that's because they were drugs debts enforcement act- actions. So it's a it's a it's a tricky one, really. No one can be living on the island and not be aware of the significant increase in costs for pretty much everything. Um, does, does, is that going to cause additional pressures in terms of uh, new crimes uh, happening as people find it impossible to pay for for, for basics uh, and, th- and they start looking to crime? Is, is that a thing that happens with people who are under a lot of financial pressure? Yeah, it can. When I think to back when I was a boy, um, in Hills Meadow there was the National Coal Board Yard and the coal was piled high and one of the jobs that the police would do was was catch people stealing coal to keep their houses uh, warm and they'd be sneaking back along the railway tracks and that that was such a sad thing and I can remember arresting somebody myself for that and you think oh my this person's stealing coal to, to live and um, I'm not sure at that position but there is a real chance that that people will become desperate and will steal so we have to be ready for that and the courts have to be ready to 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 deal with people in an appropriate way for that I think actually my bigger fear is not about crime it's about people that effectively neglecting themselves because they can't afford to eat and, and heat their homes. Um, I sit on the safeguarding board and one of the things that's exercised our minds for the last much of the last year is the number of people who have uh, effectively neglected themselves to death and uh, in a small community that's particularly shocking and I think my biggest fear is that as we get into the winter vulnerable people whether by their age or their health or whatever will start to do things that lead them in, into dangerous places in health terms. And, and that, that, for a community, I think, is the biggest issue. So then moving on, I suppose, to the future. I mean, the uh, your, your biggest challenge in, in, the, uh, in about four months' time is to work out what you're going to do with all your spare time, isn't it? That's exactly that. And I have, no, I have no idea. People ask me, well, what are you going to do? Have you got plans? And I haven't because um, I, don't know whether, uh, I don't know whether I've been sort of putting them off, but... Uh, no, I haven't got plans, but I, I do know that um, 
it will be good for everyone, I think, for me to retire because um, I'll have done 39 years in the police and it's it's right then you, you, you get a fresh eyes coming in and uh, maybe a fresh direction. I, I was appointed Chief Constable in September 2012 and took over on the 1st of January 2013, but I'd been the deputy for five and a half years before that. So, so you know, I've been near the top of the place for a very long time and, and I'm hugely proud of well, what the constabulary's done and how it's changed. I mean, if I look back, the culture is different. Um, and that's that's the bit that matters to me. The, cult, the, the, the police feels different, and that's what I wanted. And if I, if there is such a thing as a legacy, it's that feeling different that that's the important bit, I think. And of course, the constabulary will continue without you. I mean, what 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 are the big challenges then that you you see lying ahead over the course of the next, uh, I suppose, five ten years? The the, the biggest um, operational challenge is is to meet the money val assessment in twenty twenty five. That's that's the critical one. And for, and for those that don't know, MoneyVal is a Council of Europe body uh, which looks at the effectiveness of jurisdictions across Europe. So it's not it's not it's not European Union. It's the Council of Europe. So it's a much much bigger body. The, eff- the effectiveness of countries in dealing with uh, the in- the combating of, of um, international money laundering, financing of terrorism, and actually corruption as well. Now, um, the Financial Action Task Force sets a number of um, rules and standards. And countries have to adhere to them, and so there's two bits to it: are the frameworks that a country has, are they the right frameworks to combat these things, and then how effectively are they implemented to do that? The Isle of Man will always score really highly on its frameworks because they are good. Where we will struggle is showing effectiveness. So, over the last three or four years, we've brought back from the UK money launderers who've been financing the drug trade in the Isle of Man. That doesn't count for. Moneyval, because the Moneyval assessors see the Isle of Man and the UK as the same. They're wrong, but that's how they see it. So we have to we have to bring people from other places who may not have even touched the island for offences that have happened here, and that's the complexity of it. So that's that's the number one issue. And has that ever happened? We we um, dealt with a case in 2018, 17 or eighteen where we did exactly that, um, and we've got nine live cases at the minute where we are looking to do similar things. But there's a the it's a it's a tight time scale to get that, that, that ready in time. But we, we've had a couple of very long-running cases, one of which is in the courts at the minute, where some of the work we've done should satisfy some of that assessment. So I'm, I'm more optimistic than I was a year or two ago. So that's a big challenge. Money Val's a challenge. Bringing the community together to see that this exploitation of young people around drugs is serious and getting the community to work with us and others is, is a very, very big thing. And then I fear that when things get tighter and government finances get tighter there will become a temptation to top slice again and that would be disastrous so my successor i think will have to have to have his or her wits about them just to make sure that that doesn't happen so as you leave the uh, from a very long uh, service with the police uh, what what would be what would you say would be the the standout moment for you or, or the thing the mo- the mo- the thing that gave you the most pleasure out, out of the role that you've uh, undertaken I've not been a real police officer for years, really. Doing doing the job I do is, you know, it's different. It's like running any organisation, really. It's a complex organisation, but I try to I try to understand what it's still like for young 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 cops. One of the things that touched me the most was I I I led a murder investigation a number of years ago, and um, the impact was awful for the family. But I remember when I was appointed as chief counsel, getting a letter from that bereaved family congratulating me but the letter was really it just it really really touched me because I, I 
I, the people around me had made a difference for that family, even though they'd lost a loved one, we'd made a difference to them and they'd remembered it and that meant a lot to me, I think. That was Chief Constable Gary Roberts telling us about his report, which will be debated in Tinwald in October, as well as his policing priorities. Has the Chief Constable been effective over the past 10 years? Have his hands been tied by the significant cuts made to his budgets? How do we change a society which is, admittedly in a minority of cases, allowing young people to think it's okay to kick and punch police officers? Please get in touch with philgorn at manxradio.com and let me know your thoughts and views on the programme. For now, though, I'm Phil Gorn. Goromayo, thanks for listening.